episode 50 we have made it to 50 ladies and gentlemen i am shocked as always with your host scotty wrestling thank you for joining me if you have from beginning to end we are gaining momentum we are going forward this has been such a wonderful wild ride and i am just enjoying every moment we got a lot to get into this week we have two AEW shows to talk about we got SmackDown, which was relatively notable. We got Monday Night Raw. We got NXT. We got, like I said, two AEWs. We're going to preview Yokohama Dream Cinderella 2021 in summer at the end of the show as Alex joined me once again. And we are going to do a nice little historic piece on the CM Punk pipe bomb, which turned a decade old this week that's something i'm very excited to talk about so without further ado let's discuss smackdown the AEW's nxt and monday night raw so on smackdown this week very few notes biggie qualified for the money in the bank after defeating intercontinental champion apollo cruz i think biggie's a great fit for the money in the bank and a potential favorite for the entire event uh, we have known for a long time that Big E could be world champion soon enough and if he were to win the money in the bank he would be one of my choices to be someone who puts the challenge down beforehand rather than tries to steal a win because I think that's the type of uh, performer they want Big E to be and I think that's just the type of guy he is so that was great. Carmella was announced for the Women's Money in the Bank on the SmackDown side. And it's mostly because they just don't have a lot of people on that side to qualify. So Liv Morgan not only has been placed into, not Liv Morgan, Carmella has not only been placed into the show, but Liv Morgan came down and said to Sonya Deville, who plays Carmella, I beat Carmella last week. Why am I not in the match? And Sonya Deville said you could prove it again if you beat Carmella here, which she did again. So Liv Morgan's well on her way to being in a Money in the Bank, which as a big fan of hers, if you've heard me in the past, I am very happy about. I think she deserves um, some more recognition, some push, 
I think the documentary they did on her is something they should have followed up on because I think she's just a really likable human being. And I'm definitely looking forward to seeing where they go with her because she's one of the main names on that SmackDown roster right now. It's not hard to be one if you're on the roster, but I'm hoping that she has a good showing. She's She could be a cool surprise to win that because... She's someone that I think has the ability to be a champion down the line. And let's talk about Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins uh, teamed with Bailey earlier in the night to take on Cesaro and Bianca Belair. They defeated Cesaro and Bianca Belair when Bailey pinned Bianca. But Seth went to Adam Pearce and Sonya Deville and made his point that he is more than ready. He's more than ready the readiest he ever will be to face Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship. And it's very interesting because, one, this is a match they've kept far away from. The only time we've had any interaction was when the Usos costed him a win against Cesaro, and that was it. Haven't really talked about it since. Add in the fact that they're both heels, so that's also just an interesting dynamic here. Seth then goes... To Pierce and Sonya, like I said, there he's ready, and they pretty much told him he's he's at the top of the list. He's deserving of that spot. So later in the night, Roman Reigns walks out there with Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman talks about how Roman has defeated every challenger. He's beaten the Fiend. He's beaten Braun Strowman. He's beaten Kevin Owens. He's beaten Jey Uso. He's beaten Edge. He's beaten Daniel Bryan. And he's beaten Daniel Bryan again. He's beaten Cesaro. And now he's beaten the Mysterious. He's wiped out the SmackDown main event talent. He's beat everyone. And I'm thinking, well, except for Seth Rollins, this could be the match. It makes all the sense in the world. I would save it for a bigger pay-per-view than Money in the Bank. But that's the only guy he didn't name that is worthy of that title shot. Then out of nowhere, the music of Edge hits. Edge is back. Edge takes out Roman, takes out Jimmy Uso, and stakes his claim for the match. If you watch uh, Talking Smack from this week, there is a video where Edge is heads to the back with Pierce and Sonya and demands, demands his match. And they give it to him. And it's made official. And, the, and at the same time, Seth Rollins is on the desk with Caleb Braxton and Pat McAfee. And he goes, what did he just say? And he starts freaking out and how ridiculous this is. And I think this all leads to Edge versus Rollins at SummerSlam. I think that is the ultimate goal here. Not anything else. Because he pretty much took Rollins' a spot. A spot that Rollins thought he was going to have. And I think, to me, that's very important. I just really enjoy some of the stories here on SmackDown. Um, I know people have been making points that a lot of matches are rematches here, and they are. They are. That is a big problem on SmackDown. But when it comes to the storytelling, I'm really enjoying it. So that's it from SmackDown this week. I'm going to keep all of AEW into one, so we're going to leave that towards the end, even though they had a Saturday night show. Uh, let's talk Raw real quick. I thought Kofi Kingston's promo was fantastic, talking about Xavier Woods and you know how much he loved loves his brother and how that's real. And he really went at 
MVP. And this opportunity to me to reimagine and bring forth what was once an incredible run of Kofi Mania and using that to his advantage because, as we've all seen, we have seen the video of MVP crying in the back with Shad Gaspard. We've seen that. And using that as part of the story, I think, is very important. Very important. Raw's not great. But this story, letting Kingston tell it through his words, through his emotions, the New Day are, pound for pound, the best and most consistent talent of the past decade for not only WWE, but maybe in all of wrestling. They seem to always deliver, no matter the role. And I think that's just a credit to them. They were just gifted or um, announced as the best tag team of all time in WWE history, and I couldn't agree more. That would be my pick. I think they are. Very well are. What they have been able to do with a division that not isn't always the focus, but they've made it the focus. The New Day is a part of every single show because they turn something that was just a bad gimmick into this incredible, incredible stable, an all-time historic stable. And for that, I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, the only other thing here is that Drew McIntyre defeated Riddle and AJ Styles to make it into the Money in the Bank. Yay. Uh, Riddle had filled in for Randy, who wasn't there that night. Riddle went through a battle royal, and then that match to try and qualify for Randy, but of course that was not the case. It's more storytelling with RK Bro. I'm wondering if he ends up giving his own spot up to Randy. That will be very interesting to me. That's it from Raw this week. Let's get on to NXT, because I think NXT and AEW both had very good shows, um, especially the second AEW show appeared to the Saturday night one. Um, so NXT, um, there was a great women's tag to open the show. Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon teamed up against Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai, who also teamed up against Io Shirai and Zoe Stark. It was a three-way triple threat, whatever you want to call it. Fantastic match to announce the number one contenders for next week at the Great American Bash. Io Shirai won with a moonsault. And I think it's hard to not only appreciate how good EO still is without the title, but just appreciate everything we're getting from her in her time in NXT. She has established herself as maybe the best. Um, and that's really tough because I think Shayna Baszler had such an incredible run. Asuka, of course. And EO's right in that conversation as just one of the best NXT's ever seen. Now... I'm intrigued of where this tag match goes because there's a good chance that maybe they win the titles. Maybe that's what they do. Maybe Triple H wants to give one more feather in the cap to Io Shirai on the way out. Maybe Zoe Stark turns on Io, try to prove herself, try to make a name for herself because Zoe Stark doesn't really have a character. There's a lot of moving parts here, and that's really what's so intriguing to me about it all. They also announced that the Breakout Tournament is returning. The Breakout Tournament, the first time around, saw the likes of Cameron Grimes, Bronson Reed, 
um, Joaquin Wilde, Isaiah Swerve Scott, other people that I'm not remembering, uh, Angel Garza, for example, they all came through that breakout tournament. The winner was actually ACH. Um, he was known as Jordan Miles. We know how that all went, but neither here nor there. The winner will win a match, and I'm thinking here, when I think about the breakout tournament and what could come from it, who could enter it, I'm wondering if this is all going to be talent we've never seen before or are the likes of a Carmelo Hayes going to enter because Carmelo Hayes would be my pick to win. For me, I think he is just so talented, and he's already shown in two matches that, yeah, he can do this. He's already fought Kushida and Adam Cole. You enter him into that tournament, I think he wins it. Um, he's definitely named Ari Sterling's the name, the former Alex Zane, uh, who they just debut a few weeks uh, a few weeks ago against Kushida. I don't remember what they called them, but he's a possibility. The high flying guy, uh, Blake Christian. I don't know what his name is in WWE, but he's a possibility of being there. Parker Bordreau, the, like, the guy that's called the second coming of Brock Lesnar, has teased he'll be in it. I could see Rick Steiner's kid being in it. It depends how ready these people are because I think you're going to make some stars here. Um, as we saw from the last breakout tournament, it works. It works really well considering that two of them are champion. One of them is one of the more popular acts. NXT, it can go very well. So, to me, I'm I'm excited. That'll start in two weeks, the week after the Great American Bash. Um, I haven't talked about it, but there's been this um, battery, and every single week they've been counting up towards 100%. Uh, I've been told that it's possibly Tegan Knox. Uh, she's been reloaded, re-upped, revigorated, recharged after another knee injury from last year. So Tegan Knox is a possibility. It's going to be a return, I think. Because when you recharge, that's a return. That's not a debut. Unless it's someone coming from, say, the main roster who hasn't been used. Maybe that's who's recharged. There's a lot of possibilities here, but I guess I'll run with Tegan as the possibility. Um, it's been about a year since she got hurt, so her return could be imminent. And it looks like it'll be happening on the Great American Bash. Diamond Mine had their first outing as a group as Roderick Strong destroyed Asher Hale. Uh, he looked great. He looked great in this match. I love Diamond Mine. I think they're just such a cool group. It gives Malcolm Bivens something to do. So in that alone, it's a great idea Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly had a face off where Adam Cole brought up Kyle's wife uh, that was not great um, Samoa Jones got punched by Cole O'Reilly locked him uh, unlocked Cole into the um, heel hook and Cole was yelling to Joe break it up help me Joe make him stop and Joe just watched and walked away that was that was just phenomenal. Uh, Tian Shaw had their first tag team match together. Thia Lee teamed with Boa to face off with Jake Atlas and Mercedes Martinez. There was a legitimate knockout in this match, people. Because Thia Lee knocked out Mercedes Martinez. 
out cold, middle of the ring. That gave them the win. There was no fluff here. That was a re- legitimate knockout. Instant end to the match. Um, this is not the first time Xylee's in, uh, accidentally hurt someone. But my goodness, the presentation of Tian Shah, the way Xylee continues to make herself a star is very impressive to me. And I can't help but continuously be intrigued and interested in what is going on here. Uh, Boa looked pretty good. He was very limited in there. They didn't use him too much. It was mostly between Mercedes and Lee. And I think that's probably because the match ended quicker than they expected. But I always liked what I saw to Boa a few times I saw him. This was his first match since 2019. So it was good to see him in there. It was good to see him in there. And finally, the main event, which was not announced beforehand. Bronson Reed defends his NXT North American Championship against Isaiah Swerve Scott. And Isaiah Swerve Scott wins the NXT North American title. Out of nowhere, the match wasn't even announced going into the show. Clearly, Bronson Reed's getting called up after that main event tryout. He clearly impressed uh, Vince McMahon, and he's on his way up. But what was even more impressive to me was just Swerve has been on a different level all year long. I've been saying it for weeks, months, whatever you want to call it. This is Swerve's time. This guy is as talented as it gets on the mic, in the ring. He is the complete package. This is only the beginning for Swerve. I think he will be NXT champion. I think Hit Row has been a wonderful addition to the NXT roster. It's something different. It's something fresh. It's something unique. And it gives Swerve the ability to be on every single week. They're probably the most popular act right now. And I think giving Swerve the title this quickly was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Because when I say quickly, I mean quickly into him creating hit row he's been around for two years three years now it's about time that swerves gets the recognition he does i hope everyone appreciated it because man oh man i'm just enjoying what he's able to do in there he's uh he's just one of the best one of the absolute best and now let's talk aew this week aew had two shows in the span of a week saturday night dynamite and Wednesday Night Dynamite, the final show inside Daly's Place. We're going to get more into the Wednesday show as I thought it was better. But we are going to discuss Kenny Omega versus Jungle Boy for the AEW World Championship on Saturday night. I thought the main event match between Kenny Omega and Jungle Boy was fantastic. I think it was the perfect match to put Jungle Boy to the next step. He's not a bona fide main eventer yet, but he can hang with pound for pound one of the best in the world. And, 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 he's going to be world champion someday. I think that was perfectly clear. This match displayed a wonderful amount of offense mixed with a wonderful amount of him fighting back. And, the moment that Jungle Boy does win that title might be the biggest moment in AEW. Truly, truly. Because he is already so over with the fans. Already. And they were on every single count in this match. This was the perfect 
learning point for Jungle Boy while Kenny still got to win pretty easily in a sense that the only chance Jungle Boy had was getting that snare trap on. And while that was great, Kenny didn't need help from anyone. He could still put Jungle Boy away on his own. So it was a win-win for both sides. I thought it was a great match. A great way to conclude the non-Wednesday Night Dynamites. And I'm looking forward to what's next for Jungle Boy, which we kind of already know. So let's jump in to Wednesday Night Dynamite, which happened in Daly's place, of course, before they head out on the road next week, starting in Miami. Then I believe they head to Texas. What a great show. What a great show last night was. Start off with this amazing opener between Pentel Cerro Miedo and Eddie Kingston versus the Young Bucks. The Young Bucks had this ridiculous, ridiculous facial hair. They had it dyed pure black. I mean, I think it's probably naturally black for Matt, but it definitely isn't for Nick. And oh my, it probably isn't that naturally black for Matt. Let's be serious here. Eh, no, it probably is. But, oh, my God, they were like handlebar mustaches. They were so bad, but they were so good for the character. The Young Bucks are just adding this extra ridiculous layer every single week to their characters, and I think it's fucking tremendous. Uh, The match itself was also fucking tremendous. Um, Penta and Eddie work really well together, and they became the first team in like a year to beat the Young Bucks. They pinned him in the middle of the ring, and it was such a good opener because not only was the crowd hot, but Eddie and Penta are so easy to cheer for because, you know, you got the Penta doing Sato, Miedo, like you hear at the beginning of the show, um, and you get Eddie, who's just so likable, uh, and they bo- they just had a great match here. Uh, the point of the match where everything changed was when Brandon Cutler went to spray the uh, ice spray. I don't know what it's called. I forget what it's called. Um, And he sprayed it into, I believe it was Matt Jackson's eyes. He just did The best part was he wouldn't stop. He just kept doing it. And I was like, what is happening? Like, why You would stop if you accidentally did it. But he just kept doing it. Um, And then Penta hit the package pile driver into the back fist by Eddie for the pin. The crowd erupted. What a freaking opener. Definitely check it out. This is one of the more fun openers you'll see all year on any wrestling show. Um, it was great. Uh, Christian and Matt Hardy continue their feud. This really penned from the Jungle Boy Jack Evans match where Jungle Boy, of course, beat Jack Evans, and then the Hardy something family house HFO, I think they're called. I don't know. I don't I don't really care. Um, they continue Christian planted Hardy in the middle. This match is coming. Probably a fighter fest. The sooner the better it happens, the better we can just move on. Um, Andrade announced that next week he will have his first match. At Road Rager in Miami, he will face off with Matt Seidel. Matt Seidel is ranked, by the way. He's uh, number five. So that's that's a big match for Andrade. 
right out the gate. He will face ranked Matt Seidel. That should be a very good match. It'll be interesting to see how Andrade looks for his first match in AEW. That's, you know, must-see stuff. My favorite part of the show was when Kenny Omega came out to cut a promo about how he's beaten everyone. It was a lot like the uh, Roman promo from SmackDown where he was talking about he's beaten everyone. There's no one left. No one wants to stand to him. No one wants to try to take that title. Uh, may I add, Kenny also had like this mutton chop handlebar thing, which was just also terrible, but it's just so good that I can't help but applaud them. And then, so as his promo's going, the Dark Order music hits, and I'm like, hmm, this could be Hangman. And Dark Evil Uno starts talking about, there's one man you haven't defended that title against. And that's the number one contender, Hangman Page. And he keeps going on like, there's one man you can't. But Kenny comes back and he says, that one man's afraid of failure. That one man can't take me on. We, If we're talking about the same person, he doesn't want a piece of me. He's not coming out here and talking himself. And if you saw last week after Hangman beat Powerhouse Hobbs, someone pointed this out on Twitter, uh, he was happy to beat Powerhouse Hobbs, but there was a sudden show of sadness, um, upset that he won because that meant he was the number one contender. And clearly he's afraid of facing Kenny and facing failure again. And I think it's absolutely the best story going. We have known this for some time that he's just afraid of losing. Because after that loss to Kenny where he lost again in that tournament, he wasn't the same. The Dark Order picked him up. And Hangman went running in on the Dark Order. He said, what are you doing if I knew you were going to do something stupid? And they said, listen, we got your back. But you got to stop being afraid of failing. You picked us up when we were down. And we will be there to do the same for you. Hangman held his drink in his hand while the Dark Order walked out. And they said, it's your time. It is your time. And I'm wondering, when does this match happen? Because Hangman has yet to acknowledge Kenny Omega. He won't say his name. There's clearly that story from when they're a tag team into the Eliminator match. It's just, there's something going on here. And it's a great story. And I'm just so intrigued by it. Hangman really is the everyday man. Being afraid of failure is something that we all deal with. And I think turning that into this wonderful pro wrestling story is something so easy to dig in and enjoy. And I really am enjoying it. So definitely uh, check Last Word on Sports this coming weekend because I will have an article more on that as we go into depth about his failures and why this is the perfect way of building it up. Miro. Miro had a championship defense against Brian Pillman. And this was the week that they gave Miro a whole new setup. They got rid of the best man shit. No more of that shitty music. Nope. They have this wonderful new, like, godlike music. Like, it's like humming. And it's not like too fast, too slow. It's like just perfect. Like he walks out and it's like, ho, oh, oh, ho, oh. ho. It was something like that. Sorry, I'm trying to sing. And he's now known as the Redeemer. 
And I just thought this was fantastic. This was the delivery I've been asking for for Miro. You know, I thought the best man stuff just needed to go because it didn't fit the character. What Miro's character is now is this destroyer. And my goodness, did he destroy Brian Pillman. Brian Pillman had a little hope, but yeah, no, 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 that was not happening. I think Miro as the TNT champion is wonderful. And whoever ends up beating him is going to get this wonderful wonderful gift of beating one of the most dominant champions possibly in AEW history. Uh, there was a women's tag where Nyla Rose teamed up with Vicky Guerrero to face Britt Baker and Nyla Rose. It was bad. The women's division is shit on this in this promotion right now. And when I say shit, I mean they're not treated right. They have so much talent, but they're not using it. They had Vicky Guerrero wrestle a match on Dynamite. You know the last time Hikaru Shida Riho wrestled on Dynamite? No, me either. That's my point. Like, this is just ridiculous. Just It's absolutely ridiculous. I was going to go more into it this week, but I have stardom talk that we're going to enjoy later, so we'll just you know enjoy that instead because I'm going to give them a week. And with the schedule already made for next week, I'm not very hopeful. The main event. The main event saw MJF face off with Swammy Guevara for the first time ever. It was the match of the future of AEW. And this was the best match that I think I've ever seen either man have. It was phenomenal. You saw Sammy risk it all. Sammy's just incredibly talented. You saw MJF play this beautiful heel work that I think he just does so well. Um, I know people, you know, probably were annoyed by the finish, but that's just the story of being a heel. That's just the way it is, and that's the type of heel MJF is. He's not the, I'm going to win clean. He's just not the type of heel he is. And I think it was just perfect the way that they did this because Sammy was closing in on that win. He even hit the GTO, uh, GTH go to hell on MJF MJF was able to get the rope then Sean Spears walks down to the ring Wardlow attacks Chris Jericho that gets the ref's attention Spears smashes Guevara on the head with a chair that's it Uh, at one point in this match MJF hit a top rope tombstone for a two count that kind of pissed me off that should not be a two count but that's neither here nor there. Should have just won the match. I thought it was a good spot to finish. But my goodness, this was an incredible match. Something you should definitely check out. And after this, they showed a wonderful video montage of the past uh, like year and three months of being in Daily Place. Because they're finally leaving next week and going to a different arena. And there was just so many great AEW moments here. Brody Lee's debut. Brody Lee's... Special show. Those were both very emotional moments in that. Matt Hardy debuting. Kenny Omega winning the AEW World Championship. Britt Baker winning her title. Young Bucks winning their title. Young Bucks versus FTR. Uh, It's just so much. It's just so much greatness happened in this past year and three months. And we can have so many complaints. But what they were able to do in a pandemic as a new company, magical. Absolutely magical. Uh, definitely a montage worth checking out. Just such a great AEW episode. I'm excited to see where Road Rager, Fighter Fest, and Fight for the Fallen bring us. I think that's the next four weeks. 
or so. I don't think there's a regular dynamite in the middle. So I can't wait for that. Yeah, it's very exciting. Very exciting. Now let's talk about the pipe bomb. Since it's the one-year anniversary, before we break it down into the stardom preview, for me, the CM Punk pipe bomb is very special. It's very special because it reinvigorated my love for professional wrestling. It's the reason I'm having this podcast right now. CM Punk is a big reason I have this podcast right now. And it's because that promo during a time where I was a little bit in or out. I'll admit that. It reminded me of what can be so great. And this promo is one of the greatest of all time. I'm not going to call it the greatest because that's just subjective. But it was simply amazing. Every word that he said. From saying, John, I don't hate you. I actually like you. I respect you. To going in on a company that he is leaving. Talk about how they've mistreated talent. Every word that he says in this. Comes back. And is true to this day. Talking about bringing the WWE Championship to Ring of Honor. Or New Japan Pro Wrestling. Saying hello to Colt Cabana. Bringing up Paul Heyman when Paul Heyman was nowhere close to coming back to the company. Everything, every word he said carried so much weight, carried so much meaning. Especially to a young fan like I was at the time. I was only 12 years old. But it was magical. And for a lot of people, this promo changed a lot for them. It it either made them restart watching wrestling or it helped their love of wrestling because a promo like this and the story that followed with him and John Cena is top-class professional wrestling. Top-class story, top-class match. Everything was magical. While they did butcher some of the ways they handled that comeback for Punk where they could have had him defended at a Ring of Honor show once and that would have just been crazy, that's fine. But that match and this promo are among my favorites of all time. That match is one of my favorites of all time. This promo, probably my favorite of all time. The pipe bomb changed everything. It did. And people have been saying, you know, we talk about it too much. That's that's true. That's true. But it's a promo that did a lot for wrestling. It brought a lot of realism to it. It changed the way you look at WWE because CM Punk was the guy to break the mold 
of who they see as a top champion, especially following this. It helped open the avenue for the Daniel Bryans, Sami Zayn's, Kevin Owens, the list goes on and on and on. To me, this promo's magic. To me, this promo's phenomenal. To me, every part of this is worth re-listening to every single year on the date because it's that great. That's all I have to say about that. Enjoy the Yokohama Dream Cinderella 2021 in-summer preview with Alex. And otherwise, guys, I'll see you next week. All right. Once again, with me to preview another stardom pay-per-view, which has been really quickly this time, is Alex. Alex, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I am truly wonderful. It's been a day. Um, a lot of talk on Twitter, but I'm not going to get into that because this is about stardom and only stardom. Um, and we have another pay-per-view. We didn't have to wait three months, it felt like. We had to wait three weeks. And... There's been a lot of stardom shows. It's a very weird show. Um, I don't know if you have that same feeling. Like we we did discuss previously, like it's a very top heavy show, which I think is a good thing because that's kind of what you want in a pay per view. Um, but it's definitely a weird show because they had to make it in two weeks. Yeah, like the stardom, you know, their stories are very weird at the moment because they had to like drag out an entire set of them thanks to all the COVID cancellations. And now they have to rush all of the new ones while still finishing telling the old ones. Um, so the last couple of shows have just been insane with them, you know, tying up loose ends of older stories and trying to kick off new ones and trying to give these new ones some some build up. Um, so yeah, this this pay per view comes at a weird time, but I feel like they kind of need it to to be a pivotal moment in some of these feuds to so that they don't drag on. Yeah, and they have two back-to-back, like, important shows because, you know, the Cork and two days after, and it's actually, um, I mean, on paper, a pretty solid card to start, which is always a good thing because, as uh, you and Dylan have talked about, Corkins aren't always, like, a big deal anymore. But at least the card kind of looks solid. We're two matches in. But I was kind of hoping they'd just go into it and not announce anything because that would have been wild. But, hey, that's just... uh, that's just me, but it's not live, so it doesn't matter. Anyways, I am rambling. I apologize. <laughs> um, let's get into this show. Uh, Yokohama Dream Cinderella in Summer 2021, I believe that's the full name. Um, yep. We got a six-match card, and for the most part, I'm excited for most of the matches because even, like, the match where they're just trying to get everyone on the card is at least interesting in the fact that it's a gauntlet so that's where we start um the opener is a gauntlet tag where micah and lady c team versus hannon and hina versus saki kashima and rena versus konami and fukujin death that's a lot 208 otai teams because that's life now um how you feeling about this one it's it's I like it. It it reminds me a lot of uh, pre-COVID stardom where they needed these kind of fun little matches on the undercard to get everybody in. Um, and also you have some of the more random pairings like uh, Hanan and Hina being back together despite being different factions. 
you have Micah and Lady C together despite them not being in the same faction. You know, it's 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 nice that they're bringing that sort of stuff back because it's a lot more interesting than just I don't know they could have done like some four on four match or whatever or two fatal four ways or anything like that, but instead they just decided to give us a fun tag team gauntlet and these are usually pretty good, you know, based on the precedent in stardom. So, you know, not only do we get interesting teams, but we get, you know, generally what is an entertaining match. And I appreciate that because, you know, the cards of these shows can sometimes just be pretty whatever. Um, but if you're going to at least have entertaining matches that, you know, provide something interesting, then uh, that's always a bonus. Yeah, I got excited when I saw Hannon and Hino were put together just because, like, yeah, they're the odd people out of their factions. But at the same time, that'll be a fun team. And then for me, most of, most of this match will be about the story between Oedo Tai and Micah, I think. Um, because it, as you've seen on recent shows, that's been the next angle of sorts, which has been really put into, like, for uh, a second gear because like you said um, earlier in the show, they're just kind of trying to put these stories together on the run, which is kind of crazy, but here we are. Um, is there a pairing that you're most excited for in this match? Yeah, I think Hanan and Hina probably stand out as the one that could be the most uh, entertaining. And uh, they're both obviously really good wrestlers. Um, and, you know, if they try to tell a story with them, I think it could be very good. Um, obviously, I feel like Konami and, and Death are kind of the strongest pairing overall, but they'll probably just, like, slide in at the end and do a way to tie things. So I think Hanan and her sister, Hina, um, probably stand up as potentially the most interesting pairing. Do you think they'll give Micah and Lady C a pinfall, at least? Nah, I'd say... Hanan might pin Lady C or one of the Oeda Tai teams will. Yeah, I'm feeling Revival by Saki. Maybe too. I mean, they could also always pin Lady C, but that Micah thing is like itching at me. Like, because that's like one of the more interesting things they have going besides like, you know, the big matches on this card. But uh, the relationship where how they're trying to take her now is like really, really weird. Uh, are you like looking forward to this kind of feud again because we just got out of one with Oedo Tai, or like you're kind of like just let's not do this again? It just feels like it's it's stopped, it's gonna start losing impact eventually. I feel like the the factions on Stardom used to be so settled, and while that was at times very bland, it meant that when people did change, it was a big deal. But it feels like now people just like change, chop and change factions so often that I'm like, well, if Mike goes to Wade Tie, I don't really care. You know, it, it wouldn't be a good move, but I don't really care too much. Um, and it's kind of because we've just had so many changes in the factions over the last 12 months. Like, I mean, the, none of them have really been all that settled. Um, so I really don't care about the lineups as much as I kind of used to when I feel like they were a lot more stationary. Um, although I guess DDM is probably one of the more unified pairings. Um, yeah, I still, I just, I don't know. I, I can't bring it in myself to care all that much about it. Um, although I, I do hope that it just doesn't happen. Um, because Micah, no other tie would be very bad. 
yeah, it would not it would not be good. And I find it funny how you said like people are switching uh factions. It's mostly just everyone going to the same faction, but I digress that is yeah. Uh who do you think's gonna win this one? Not that probably, it really matters. Yeah, probably Death and, and Konami. Yeah, that's what I was figuring. Mostly just because, like you said, they're kind of the biggest name. Uh, the only other thing I could see is Saki winning with the revival um, somehow, you know, because things happen and that's how we go. But yeah, they sound like the right one. This is like the one match. I'm like, it could be fun, but at the same time, I don't don't care who wins at all. There's mm-hmm. just like no part of me that will be affected if any of these people win like yeah if mike and lady c won that'd be insane but lady c's not winning so just whatever i got i got my hopes up last time i'm not doing it again <laughs> uh the second match on the card is momo watanabe and azumi versus starlight kid and raka i think this match is gonna be fun yeah it, it depends because uh, kid is kind of out to get azumi based on some of the recent reports from stardom um so that could be pretty fun although it you know if they're gonna do the thing where like kid isn't on board with raka and maybe not um and also i'm not sure raka would work well with momo and azumi so that could be a bit of a mismatch there um so i'm not super optimistic but i also i i trust that you know momo Oz and, and starlight kid can deliver a good match but uh, i definitely have some worry at the the pairings if Ruaka just brings the julia energy that she has in those matches with her and has it with like a momo i think it would be pretty good but like you said i'm hopeful that the um like never-ending feud between kid and azumi is what powers this one um when it comes to who's winning this it could really go either way in my mind i mean you're probably gonna pick the team i don't want you to pick but i'll let you pick yeah, I think Kid pins Azumi. I think that's the story here, given she's uh she's challenging for the high speed belt and stuff. Every single time you come <laughs> on the show, I don't think you've yet to pick Momo to win. Ah, uh, she always loses. Stop, stop! I just, <laughs> I literally just dealt with this before starting the show, and now, now I'm getting a so- oh, every single time. God, God, yeah, I'm, I'm picking, pointing it out like. <laughs> Because she beat Mina her to win if she never wins. She beat Mina. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, she um, she beat Lady C. Amazing. That's all I got. All right. Um, I'm picking Momo Oz because I need I need that to happen because I just want you to be wrong one time about a Momo match, please, for the sake of my soul. Ah, <laughs> uh, all right. Moving on. The future of Stardom Belt is on the line. The vacant future of Stardom Belt is on the line. As Mina Shirakawa faces Unagi Sayaka, I don't think this one's a question, but if Mina wins, I will fight someone. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't blame you. There's, there's no reason for Mina to win this match. Like, absolutely zero. I mean, I prefer Unagi anyways, but like... With the whole three year thing and her would she would lose the title in like a month. That's just ridiculous. Like that's so so why is she in this match? I feel like I sound like Dylan. I'm not going to go there. Um Yeah, so we're picking Unagi, yes. Yeah, she she makes the most sense. How long um until she would have to give it up? I'm assuming she has plenty of time. 
January, I want to say. All right, cool. So she could lose to like Hannon by then or Ruaka. That sounds. She might vacate it, I think, but she could probably do that. Um, Why? Well, Ida won't be back. Um, Why would you do that with that title? Why? That's what Tommy did. Tommy's a different breed. Eh, I don't know. What? Whatever. I don't. I mean, I'm happy with Unagi winning. I actually, you and me are like two of the very few on my Twitter that like Unagi, so it's fine. I just. I don't know. I feel like you'd have someone be her. That would just be the better result nine times out of ten. Yeah, but I mean, it's that's putting too much thought into the future division. It's it's an, a weird little thing. Um, I I tend to put, this was a nice. I tend to put too much thought into many things. To be fair, that's true. That's fair. Hey, Dylan hey. The same. I just try to care, and then. You are the person that says, well, it's just dumb to care about these certain things. Like, I understand this is the future's belt and, like, no one cares. And Sai Aida, like, got destroyed, like, three times after winning the belt by Momo. But listen, I feel this title is important. And I like to think all titles are important. But shame on me, I guess. I mean, it's important in a way. Like, it's definitely something that will only ever be won by people they like. Um, but it's not like a title that has to you know, go from person to person and make a new star or anything. Like I think they should only give it to people they really care about, and I think that makes it better than if they just give it to somebody just to have it on them. Well, I think Hannon should win, and I think they care about her eventually. But Or Hina, or Rena. Oh, my God. Okay, yeah. I'm just Hannon has a few years, I think, to, to win it. And she's already so good. It's just so unfair. Anyways, let's get to the big three because there are three matches on this card that I think anyone um, that's a wrestling fan should be excited about. Um, the Goddesses of Star um, Championships are on the line as Julia and Siri defend against Mayu Iwatani and Kagama. Um, I wrote to you the other day if you told me that Kagama was not not only going to become the number two in stars but also pin Julia in one month span, I would have called you crazy. But here we are. Yeah, they, I don't know what they did, what they were decided, but they have put the rocket to Kagama. Um, she's on a roll, her and Mayu on a roll. Um, th- the fact that she pinned Julia is still quite wild to me. Like, you just, like, you don't just pin Julia. Like, I'm pretty sure that's the first pinfall Julia has taken since losing the versus hair match with Tam. You know? It is. Yeah, like that's that's crazy that they gave her that uh, accolade, but they kind of needed it because Stars really did need some momentum, and um, she's definitely established herself as somewhat credible. Um, so, you know, good job to Stardom for for building her and Mayu up so fast uh, to to make them feel like a credible threat to to ALK. Um, and I just hope that this is a good match because you know this is going to be a real test of Kagama, given that you know she's only been back for about a month now. And uh, as we all know, the Ali Kaba team work an incredible pace in these tag title matches. And they're, you know, if, if you're a half step behind, you will get destroyed in this one. So let's hope Kagama is ready for for this match. I was kind of shocked the other day when they had Momo Oz go to a draw with them. I thought they were just going to keep giving uh, Mayu and Kagama a win because 
I mean, they got the title match. You would think that would be an easy, understandable loss for Momo Oz, but that's intriguing to me. Um, and like you said, Julie and Siri just go crazy in these matches. This will be the ultimate proving point. Do you think Kagama will be the one to beat Poi? Um, I'm not sure. I feel like she's already above the high speed stuff, if that makes sense. Like they've already presented her as like above that. Um so I don't think so. I feel like Starlight Kid might be the one to beat Kagama. Or not Kagama, uh Poi. Um So I'm uh, against. Um, I feel like Aphrodite versus ALK is is in the is in the works because obviously Aphrodite did challenge ALK uh, a while back and just never got their their title match. Um, so I feel like that's probably your end goal whenever that does happen. But um, yeah, I, I feel like ALK should retain. Um, as much as I think Kagama and Mayu winning the belts would be a good way to keep Mayu occupied. Um, while well, a way to tie does a way to tie things. I, I just think ALK probably retains because they have bigger matches in, in mind for them. Yeah, we're in agreement there. I definitely think ALK wins. Now, let me ask you, do you think Aphrodite takes the belts off of them or someone from Oedo Tai? Because that's really who I could begin to imagine might. Um, I, I said this when they first won the belts, but I could see somebody from the Cosmic Angels taking them off of Julian and Siri. Um, maybe maybe a Tam Unagi team or a, a pushed Unagi and Mina uh, getting a big win. I think that could be a possibility. Um, I think that's probably the most likely direction there. But I, I really don't know. Like the tag belts can go anywhere almost. Yeah. Yeah. You make a good point. I mean, I just wouldn't take the belts off of ALK for at least another month or two i just think they've added a lot to those titles after they bounced around for what felt like to be an eternity um either way definitely picking julian siri here so let's move on to the big two matches as tam nakano has to try for the first time in three months all right the wonder of stardom championship tam nakano defends against cinderella winner saya kamatani is this like to you the most anticipated match of the night kind of yeah like there's a story between them that goes back a long time and also they have shown that they could be really really good against each other and tam has been continuously amazing in these title matches so i mean there's a lot going for this one 
Um, but I still always have that thing in the back of my mind when it comes to a big Sayakamitani match where she might blow it because she has yet to really fuck it up on a big stage. Um, so you have to imagine that's going to happen soon, right? So That's such a mindset. Jesus I know. But it's just like, she's so new. How has she not messed up yet? Like, I just, it's amazing. And it, it has to happen eventually. Um, and this might be it. This might not be it. She might go her whole career without messing up and I'm just wrong. But, um, you know, I'm always wor worrying that this is going to be the match where she gets exposed or where she just isn't good enough. Um, but if it hits, then it's going to be great. And uh, Tam, workhorse Tam, is the best shit. Did you ever think maybe Sai is just really good? <laughs> like... She is. Uh, man, she's a special talent. But, I mean, everybody has to mess up sometime. I just feel like the I don't know. I feel like based off of what we've seen in their tag matches, or this match with Tam won't be it. But now you have that like slight doubt in the back of my mind. Oh, come on. Um <laughs> I I'm excited for this just because I think like you said, Sai on the big stage has been pretty impressive. She has yet to um show that she can't do it, which is always a good thing. And then work her Tam the um, most unexpected storyline, like you said, of the year. I think you said that last time I had you on. It's just wild um, that Tam has been able to become like that must-see champion for stardom. I mean, don't get me wrong, Tommy has that role as well, but it's just been incredible. Uh, let me ask you, which I feel like a lot of people are pr probably split on this just because they see Saya rising. I'm not as split on it. I think it's more guaranteed than not who wins this uh who are you picking to win oh tam no doubt i think tam this is tam's run like i don't think she's ever getting another one of these you know i don't know why but i just feel like this is her one run and i think they're gonna make the most of it and um i don't think saya it's 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 time to put the belt on saya yet i think when you do that it should be a bit further down the line because they they really don't have a spot for her in that top four whereas that's where tam is right now um and i think they want to get the most out of tam now while they can and she also has challengers lined up i mean mayu kind of made it made it clear that she wants a shot at tam i think they'd be stupid to end tam's reign without giving us the the mayu tam match on some big show so um while history may side with uh, Saya as far as like Cinderella tournament winners going on to win the belt uh, goes, I think this situation, uh, Tam has to win, really. She should win. Um, and I think she will. Did you see the weekday show where Mayu and Tam were in a tag match together? This from this past week? I don't think so. Um, well, Mayu very much still hates Tam, and Tam still very much hates Mayu. These two just absolutely clobbered each other. It was phenomenal. Uh, so definitely, that's uh, that's the match that I'm still waiting for, like you said. Um, I'm definitely in agreement that the Cinderella um, like little reign of dominance here after winning the actual tournament ends. And I think it's fine that Saya loses a big match again if that makes sense because like you said last time the cinderella was her big moment but now she can lose the title match and not you know she won't fall down the card or anything she's like you 
you said that she won't be in the top four, which is totally understandable, but she's like right there. She's one of their top stars now. Um, you made the point that when her and Momo team, they came out to her song, like there's a lot going well for her and she doesn't need a title to define that right now. Um, and whenever she does have her moment, it'll be a big moment. Um, but I think that's still a year away or so personally. Yeah, it's it's hard to time that sort of stuff out with Stardom because um, I mentioned this on Stardom Quest recently when we were fantasy booking. Like, they don't have these, like, select marquee events. So it's hard to say, oh, Sai is going to get her big moment on this, you know, big show that Stardom does every year. You just kind of have to approximate, really. Um, like, if they run 10 more pay-per-views, chances are Sai will get a big win on one of them. Um, but they might not run 10. Like, they might just run less you know you never really know what stardom um but yeah i would say we're still about a year max away from the big saya singles win um but when it happens people will be into it you know they should probably get one of those big events that would be a good idea moving forward i think um i think you know just from tradition you may not think the same but i think having a I don't think they'll ever have another all-star dream Cinderella, but like that felt like the perfect name almost for like their big event. But you make mm-hmm. a good point of how they don't have like that marquee um, wrestle kingdom, WrestleMania, whatever you may be. Um, I think, I definitely think that's something they should consider down the line though. They should. I, I think if they were smart, they might do it on uh their anniversary is officially in January, and I think you could just have their big show be in January uh, to try and maybe catch some people who are attending a Wrestle Kingdom or over for all of the, the New Year's shows. Um, so I could, if I was them, I'd probably try and do that, or maybe just stick with March being their big one. You know, they could have that be the annual All Star Cinderella celebration or something, you know. Like it can't hurt to have marquee events because. That's what people gravitate towards, you know what I mean? Like, if, if I was going to America, for example, I would go around a time of a double or nothing or an all-out because I know that not only are you going to have the big show, but you're going to have all the little shows running around it. So, I mean, having that big marquee event for people to see as a destination is really important because, uh, I mean, you can get a lot of international fans to your show that way. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it would benefit them to, to have something like that. But I don't know if they're going to do it, you know? Yeah, kicking up the anniversary to around Wrestle Kingdom time would be really smart. I actually like that idea. Or you could even say the year-end climax because that's pretty close to a Wrestle Kingdom. I mean, yeah. it's a little, it's like a week or two off, but I know they could move it a little later maybe. I think they'd be fine because as far as I know, in Japan, like the, the New Year, Christmas season, a lot of people get like really long holidays, so they draw very well anyway, based on just Japanese audiences. Um, so, you know, I, I think year-end climax would be pretty cool because you can just have it after Christmas a bit and you'd probably get a lot of tickets, but I don't really know because uh, year-end climax used to be their big show, kind of, but then in, like anniversary would be the big show sometimes, and then obviously last year year-end climax was just a Corican, so who really knows what they're they're <laughs> planning to do so i don't know it's good to dream that maybe they just decide hey we'll just establish one i think the idea of either the march or the anniversary is probably best just thinking off the top of my head especially with the wrestle kingdom thing that's that's probably a 
ideal because uh, the more people outside of Japan start watching Stardom, the more you'll you know you know you're gonna want them to be a part of it. So, I mean, I think they should still depend on their Japan fans, but you know what I mean. Anyways, on to the main event. The World of Stardom Championship is on the line. So Tommy Hayashida defends against Natsuko Tora. Very exciting because I don't know if this will be really good or really not. But, I mean, considering we're only a few weeks off of Utami having the match of the year, it's hard to not be excited. Yeah, I mean, Utami has that certain build up now with people where they expect great matches um that's just the kind of champion she is um so she kind of has to deliver here because chances are this main event and that's you know you have the pressure to deliver in in the main event picture i'm not sure how this is going to go because quite honestly as i said on stardom quest like they are two similar wrestlers who could not be more different um like you have Natsuko Tora, who's a little bit more like a cannonball, versus Utami, who is a power wrestler that will bat grapple you. You know, like it's it's a very they're two different performers, even though they both come from a power base. Uh, and with a way to tie powering up, you you know this could be the match where Stardom indulges and in maybe having some heel interference stick in the main event, and I think that would probably sour a lot of people on this. So. I'm not really sure how this is going to go. Um, they have wrestled twice in singles matches before. Both of them were in the GP. I couldn't tell you a single thing about either match, so I, I can't even remember if they work well together or not. But, um, you know, I, I trust in both of them, I guess, because Utami has been delivering pretty consistently. And I think Natsuko Tora is one of the better wrestlers in stardom as far as getting the best out of her opponent goes. Um so I think if they just let them have a match here, they could probably have a pretty good match. But they might be tempted to to get you know the away to tie stuff in, and that might hurt it. Um, because I don't think people are ready for for heel interference in World of Stardom title matches. Hmm. You make you make a fair point. Uh so with me in this match, while I'm excited because of the two competitors and what I think they can do, I am like, I have like, I still do think that Julie is going to take the title from Utami, but I don't know. There's like this slight, this, like, I think you had this feeling when uh, Utami is facing Shiri. I have it with Natsuko strictly because I feel like Oedo Tai is just winning everything. There's that slight, slight feeling for me, at least, that they could pull the switch here and just be like this big surprise, like, holy shit, this happened. I don't, I'm more, I'm very much more leaning Utami, but there's just like that little pit of doubt in me. And I think it's probably from the stars uh, rivalry where I'm just like, I, I never know what if they're doing anymore. Yeah, I can, I can understand that. I think. Tora has won some of her, you know, a lot of her bigger pay-per-view matches. So I think this is her time to to take the loss. Um, I can understand why there's a hint of doubt. And I think it all just depends. Like, I don't think Stardom is the type of company who would give Natsuko Tora a short heel run just to get the belt on Julia. Because obviously, Julia's winning the GP. Um, I've been adamant on that for ages. <laughs> And, you know, Tora would get maybe one defense in in that time. 
So you'd have Tora basically just being a transitional champion to get to Julia, and they'd be redoing a match they did in, in January or February. So I think the best idea is just to stick with Utami because Utami versus Julia should be the end goal. I think it is the end goal. Um, so yeah, I think Utami should retain here. I, I don't see them putting the belt on Natsuko just to have her be a transitional champion. Um, but maybe maybe they do. I don't really know. Stardom might embrace some of that heel energy and try and you know have the Julia go over the, the big bad heel to save the day or something. I don't really know. Um, I hope they don't because I don't think it'll work. But who knows? Natsuko winning would feel very New Japan to me. Very New Japan. And I don't even like follow New Japan enough to know that, but like I think like just from earlier this year when they had like the heel win out of nowhere and everyone was shocked. Like that's just kind of what I'm feeling. I don't think it's happening. Um would you say Utami versus Julia is the biggest match they have right now? Oh yeah, by far. Like there's nothing even close except maybe a Siri Utami rematch based on their, their previous one. Right. I think that would probably get a lot of attention. But just as far as matches go, definitely Utami versus Julia is is the one. I'm I'm just so intrigued by that match because I I feel like they could just have something really special because of the way they wrestle. Um, that's not, of course, what we're talking about here. That will be a little ways down the road, I think. But uh, we're both picking Utami. Um, overall, in levels of excitement, how are you for the show? I don't know. It's the least excited I've been about one of these shows in a while, and I can't really explain why. It's possible that the the rushed build has kind of hurt it a little bit, or maybe just the fact that a lot of it hasn't aired yet and I haven't seen it uh, to get excited. But I don't know. I think I'm just at a... I'm very much just like, oh, this is a show that's happening. I'm looking forward to watching it. Whereas, you know, the, the last big pay-per-view, I was like, okay, I can't wait for this. It's going to be great. This is going to be amazing. You know, the day before, I'm going to be so excited. Um, but this time around, it's going to be a bit more like, yeah, this is happening, I guess. That's fair. And I think, you know, the rushed build is definitely a good part to touch on because I think only Utami and Natsuko's, like, one interaction was when Natsuko smashed her in the back of the head with the rose she stole in, like, her interview after a match like once and i think they also had a tag team match or something mm-hmm. where um not to go pinned saya but i'm definitely with you that the rush can definitely hurt but i'm i'm such a sucker for big matches so like within the next couple of days i'm probably gonna get pretty excited because after watching all these past uh what did they have six shows in nine days I'm going to be like, all right, let's get, let's give me something that I can like really dig into. And I think that's what this show will have, at least with the final three. Um, how excited are you for the five star this year? You know, I'm, I'm holding off until the announcements of the lineup is made because I think it could be amazing or it could be very middle of the road because uh, people tend to pace themselves in the gp a lot more than you know people in the g1 usually do like i feel like the gp is is worked very smart um and if the lineup is 
all stardom names and Mina's in there and Unagi's in there and I don't know, Uraka's in there, I'm gonna be a bit less excited than if they bring in some outside names or if the, the blocks are bigger or anything like that. So I'm kind of unsure. I, I you know, the GP is usually a pretty good time of the year, especially since they're running some of these bigger venues and we're gonna see presumably see the final of it live. But it just kind of depends because I think Stardom has some wrestlers who I'd rather not see uh, wrestle ten odd singles matches, but we'll just have to wait and see, I suppose. So when uh, Takumi Roja and Rin Katakura are in it, you're not going to be excited. Oh, I will. That, that, that's <laughs> that's going to be that's the game changer there. Unagi and Mina can sit this one out. I I hmm, I'm thinking. I don't think that's outside the levels of possibility, especially, I mean, I know the, like the seven nineteen show that they're doing for marvelous is a special occasion, but there's something magical that happens when uh Takumi comes back around. That's what I'm, that's all I'm saying. Oh yeah. I, I have no doubt stardom sees so much money in her. Like they, they'd be stupid not to. Um, I mean, they well, probably given the fact her. that they, yeah, like given the fact that when they did train her, they they tokened her as a super rookie and uh, were touting her as the future. They definitely see the money in her, so I, I imagine they'll use her as much as they can. And uh, getting her in for a GP just makes sense. Um, although her knee might not be able for it, but we'll have to wait and see. But I mean, they'd be silly not to get Takumi Roha in for something like that. I mean, she's one of the best in the world. Um, she's she's a license to print money with the right company. Um. So yeah, as you like to say, uh, Takumi Roja is better than your favorite wrestler. That is exactly what it says, I think, on your Twitter. It does. Yeah, I. Uh, she. It's true. She's. She's amazing. Everybody knows it. Like Stardom didn't coin her the super rookie for nothing. You know. I mean, Chigusa it's... didn't headhunt her for nothing either. Chigusa Nagayo, the best Joshi wrestler of all time, was like, "Yo, I want you <laughs> to be the ace of my new promotion." And then I'm going to hand it over to you because you're a genius. Like, it's, you know, it's great shit. Yeah, that's kind of the uh, giveaway that maybe she's a little bit special when it comes to uh, this whole wrestling thing. But that I, I think that's not out of the range of possibility. But I'm definitely excited for that Marvelous show. Either way, like when I read your uh, text about it, I was like, no way. Like that's exactly that's instantly what I said. <laughs> I was I was actually way more excited about the tag team match than I was the Mayu Rin match, which is probably like psychotic. But like I've been asking for Zumi and Mio or just Mio to do anything with Stardom in any way for yeah. a while now. So the fact that we're kind of you know getting the first bit of that is very exciting. Yeah, no, the tag match is, is going to be crazy. I think I think Rin and Mayu is one of those where on paper you're like, yeah, that's whatever, and then it'll happen, and it'll be like a four-and-a-half-star match, and you'll be like, holy shit, that was great. Um, yeah. yeah the, the tag match is definitely a bit more, like, eye-catching. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, Mio's just having that year. Mm-hmm. Like, she's just having that year where everything she does you have to see, which is very rare, I feel like, nowadays, because... There's just so much wrestling. It's hard to find certain wrestlers that nearly deliver every single match, but she's one of them. 
Um, and like you said, the Rin Mayu match is probably going to be insane, and everyone's just going to be like, "Yeah, this was this was phenomenal." Scory's probably going to have a victory parade when he says Rin <laughs> delivered. It's going to be it's going to be great. But uh, any any final thoughts heading into the pay per view? Another pay per view, another day, another dollar, whatever the saying is. Um, you know, I think we can all agree that coming out of this pay per view. Uh, Mom Watanabe is gonna take some L's because uh, she has to face Micah at Corkin. What the Mike. fuck? <laughs> Why? You definitely Micah has is that. Gonna like, beat you... her ass, man. Micah is gonna beat her up at Corkin. Like it's gonna heard, be great. I heard Stardom Quest. I heard you acknowledge. Wait, was it Stardom Quest? You acknowledge that. Oh, no. Okay, so it was Stardom Quest when Momo versus Micah was originally happening. And you said that it was possible that Momo wins. So I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear the disrespect because, listen, I'm probably going to walk away from this conversation just right back into Xavier attacking me. And I can't have that. I can't. I have to stand up for this. And the th- how many L's do you think she could possibly take? I don't know, man. She she's like the third in the in the faction. She can take a lot of L's. You know, just because you're right doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. <laughs> I just look. I, I I hate to I hate to do it. It's just I lived through the Momo reign of terror, and I love seeing her in the mud. You don't understand. I wish I, I was there for that. You don't. It was bad. You I had I to see do, her beat driver tr- everyone on every show. Every wish, single match, B-Driver win. Wish I could see it no. now. I would pay m- much money to see that happen now, but with the red belt instead and have you all accept it. But that's not going to happen. You know, the Reign of Terror couldn't have been that no, bad. Loser. Ah! Why? <laughs> just why? Like, that was like, that was aggressive. She No, she's a loser. No, she's not a loser. She... she Went to a draw with Unagi, and she beat the hell out of her, which was actually a really good match. I actually very much enjoyed it. Um, but, you know, just because she doesn't win all the time doesn't make her a loser. It it quite literally does, I think. No, no, because there's a lot of draws in there. That's not that's not very good either. She should be beating these people. Like, you know. I just don't like your attitude towards Momo. It's very, and don't say it's because of her reign of terror that you're just like, oh, she could lose all the time and it's great. No, it's not great. It's not. It's not. She's legitimately one of the best in the entire company. When it comes to consistency, it's hard to beat her. I will not hear it anymore, Alex. All right, man. Listen, I, I understand that standing a loser is hard. You just have to, you just have to, you know, roll with the punches, I guess. Not only did you double down on the loser comment, but you also called me a stan, which is just pain. Oh my God. Just, I'm ending this show. All right. Thanks for coming on out. Goodbye.
旅が来るでしょう。